we started this series a couple weeks ago, and, um, and we entitled it The Father Factor. When you get a, uh, let me just recap really quick the last two weeks. If you get a chance to, um, if you weren't here and you want to go back, you can view the messages and you can see some of the stats. But as we discovered, it's pretty alarming, isn't it, the amount of homes that are without fathers? in America, and I would have to say it's probably even worse in other countries, and we saw some of the dramatic effects of fatherless homes. It, it reaps um, destruction, it reaps heartache, it produces bad stuff, amen? Yeah. And so those correlations are pretty strong, and how many of you remember statistics? Correlation doesn't always mean causation. But I'd have to believe in this situation, a lot of these um, factors of a father not being in the house that relates to poverty and teenage pregnancy and obesity and depression and suicide, the list goes on and on. It's unbelievable. How many knows that God made man and woman, father and mother? Can you even believe that we're, we're in a place right now that we're being challenged that you can't say mother and you can't say father well I still say father amen, amen. hopefully you stay still stay mother stay strong in your beliefs so we went through this um, the last couple of weeks and and last week we started to get into I, I did it with the P's just so you maybe for memory's sake and to keep me on on track but we went over three or four of them last week, which I'll recap that. But let me just go over the disclaimers again to make sure that nobody can accuse me of something that um, was not my intention or God's intentions. Um, every father has weaknesses. Raise your hands. Yeah. Amen. And listen to me. There are things that we don't understand in raising kids and training kids and some, you know, there's all these factors that go in there. So part of this series was not to make you feel bad, inadequate, right, by any means. But it really was a conviction of God deep inside of me to believe that, that when the homes are in disarray, it affects everything and it affects the church. And so please don't take condemnation. Please don't take some of these things back with you and beat yourself up. God convicts us. God challenges us. Then he lovingly helps us be better. Can anybody say amen? amen? Okay, so don't please take that. Condemnation is not of God, never has been, never will be. That's of the enemy. The enemy wants to belittle you and tear you down and ridicule you and yeah. tell you how terrible and how stupid and how inadequate you are, but that's not God. I will never forget, and the girls were probably too young, but this was probably the, the only time I ever did this, and it was very unique, and it was really hard, but it was dramatic effect. I did a, um, a youth conference in Pittsburgh. It wasn't huge. It was um, pretty small, but it was really a, a series on warfare and teaching the kids how to fight and how to contend and how to battle. And, and I really, I didn't dummy down that series at all. I really preached it to them in an adult fashion, if that makes sense. 
And I remember the last night, I prophetically ministered over every single kid that was at that conference. And when I would call them up, and before I would minister to them, I began to speak over them the way the devil would speak over them. And that was really difficult to do. And, and began to unload what they were going to really come against in the future years of their life. Of how dumb and how inadequate and how they'll never be anything. And some of those words were probably words that they heard from different adults in their lives. Amen. And then, of course, like. them what God thinks of them. Can anybody say amen? And so it was really a unique time, and I really saw how God touched them. And I, the reason I did that is I wanted them to let them know the devil doesn't fight fair. He's dirty. And he's out for blood. And we, when we deal with this series of fathers, and we're going to talk about the different Ps, um, you realize that the moment... The moment the first cry, actually the moment of conception, it goes all the way back, but do you realize that the moment that baby lets out that first cry, the Bible says we've been made what? In his image. So every time a baby cries, it reminds the devil of who God is. Can anybody say amen? amen. So if you think that he doesn't want to destroy your kid's life, you're living in la-la land. You're living in some place that I don't know where you're living, but at the end of the day, he wants to destroy, kill and destroy and take away. So I want to remind you that this is a message of hope, amen? And hopefully you mothers and ladies have been getting something out of this, amen? I know it's maybe been a little exhausting to hear about men, 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 amen? But if your men's are right, you women's are happy. Can anybody say Amen. All right, if a man's head is in alignment and his heart is right with God, you are loving life, ladies. Amen? He's never going to be perfect, but something um, seems to go, things seem to go well. Let me review really quick a couple of the P's that we talked about last week, and then we'll get into some new ones. Remember last week we talked about, uh, what were they? Man being a provider or fathers, being an example of purity. You can look all these up. Um, we talked about peace, that, that a man should and a father should have a home that's full of peace. Now, that might be a little contradicting. Even if you come over to my house, sometimes you'll say, really, Jeff, is your house really full of peace? Well, there are days that we wonder, right? Um, but it should be a habitation where God's presence is. And we talked about perseverance, that we as fathers and leaders... Our children should see us persevering through everything and anything. We talked about God is good. It's really easy in the good times for us to 
be positive and to be full of life and hope, right? But in the difficulties and the setbacks and the hardships, what do they see in our life? Are we still persevering? Are we still raising our hands in church? Are we still glorifying God? Can anybody say amen? Guys, they need to see it, right? They need to see it lived out. We talked about that last week of, of Paul as being a father to Timothy and Titus. One of the greatest things that we see is he has the audacity to say, follow me as I follow Christ. To me, that's probably the most powerful passage of Scripture that Paul brings out to his spiritual kids. He said, said you, can, you, can, you can follow my lifestyle because I'm following Christ. At the end of the day, is that not the goal, men? Amen? For all of us? All right, so let me lighten this up with the first P. Because we were serious last week, and we're going to get serious this morning, but maybe we need to lighten it just a little bit. Number five, I'm going to say fathers need to learn how to play. Is that okay? <laughs> play. Learn to have fun and to find time for your family. I know that's really deep. That's really heavy, right? It's not heavy. Lighten up a little bit. You need fathers... As spiritual as God wants us to be, I can tell you my spiritual fathers in my life, one of the greatest dynamic that they have, and Chris can attest to this, they were fun. Fun. They were fun to go to dinner with. They were fun to go on vacation with. They were enjoyable. They had a balance of spirituality in their lives, but they also knew how to enjoy life. Amen? And I'm just telling you, dads, if everything is super, super, super serious all the time, you're going to lose them. You better know how to have a good time with them. Throw up a couple. The girls didn't know it was coming. I could have brought up so many pictures. There we are at Disney. Guess what we're doing? We're being really spiritual with Mickey Mouse. Go to, I think there's one more. There we are again. Look how young and cute we were. So why do I throw those pictures up there? Because if you talk to my girls, they'll probably tell you they have more memories of us, of me, of, of going and having fun than preaching, which to me is okay. Can anybody say amen? I've chose, I've told somebody, I'll never forget this. It was a teacher at the school in, that we've become really close friends, and we were sitting around the bonfire, and, and nobody was there, and he said, he began to really compliment my kids because he's had them in, in class. And so he's seen them. Of course, he hasn't seen them, seen them behind closed doors, right? But he's seen enough to, to at least realize that they have something going on and that maybe we had something to do with it. I don't know. So he was asking me questions. His kids are little. And he said, tell me the formula. You know, I love your girls. They seem polite. They seem to be spiritual. They seem to be funny. They seem to enjoy life. What are the keys? My kids are little. And I went through a lot of this spiritual stuff that we're going to talk about. But I told them, I said, don't miss out on having fun with your kids. Don't life pass you by. I remember, Brian, you saying that every Sunday after church, you guys had ski family Sunday afternoons. Do they, those kids will never forget those times. You might say, well, that's insignificant, and that's silly that you chose. That's not insignificant. Can I tell you something? That if I would have invested 
all of the money that I've invested in our vacations, I'd probably be a millionaire right now. And that's not a lie. But I would never give that back. Because memory and time was created of them seeing that we cared about family. Can anybody say amen? So in the midst of the grind and the bills and the responsibility and the schoolwork and the exhaustion and the, you better learn how to have a good time. Now, I told you that as they become teenagers, I'm not as cool as I used to be. But I can tell you something, their kids still, their friends still love me. And I'm not just bragging, they do. It drives them crazy sometimes. And part of the reason is because they can see within me and maybe it's because I buy when I go down to college. Sophie has a whole group of friends. And I think that they like me and I think I'm cool. It's probably because I pay for their pizza, right? But they, you know, kids can sense that. And they sense that it's a priority in your life. So in the midst of everything, have fun. Amen. So my best spiritual friends that I've had in my life and fathers, all of them knew how to have a good time. And I'm just telling you, I like to be, I like to be around people that like to have fun. Does that make sense? All right, number six. This is a big one. Fathers are called to protect. We, we talked about the family structure. We talked about the way God has set it up, that God has created the, the husbands to be the head of the house. And, and we talked about how, that has been abused, right, from the pulpit at times and from knucklehead men. We dealt with that, so I'm not talking about that. But I'm telling you that fathers are called to protect. And I put in here physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You know that? One of the greatest roles that we have as we begin to raise our kids is protecting them. You tell me a father that would not take a bullet for their kid and I can tell you that something's not right within them. Amen? And that goes for, for mothers, too. Let me tell you what I've always said. You're okay with my wife, but you come after me or kids, and you're in serious trouble. It's just the deal, amen? And I'm telling you, I'm a pretty gentle, lovable guy. But how many of you know that if somebody came in here and stormed us and began to attack my kids, I would tear their eyeballs out. I would break their arms. Oh, my God, not you, Jeff. Oh, yes, me. That father instinct would kick in. The same should be emotionally and spiritually. And we get it. Let's go to Psalms 91 real quick. And, and this whole Psalms has a bunch of different things in it, but, but it does talk about some pretty important things as far as protection goes. I won't go to all these scriptures that we have, but I'll at least hit a few of them. This passage has a couple, but let me, let me give you a few, a few of the verses that I love. Let's start, to, let's start at verse 1. We'll go through a couple. He who dwells in a secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will deliver him from the snare of the follower and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with feathers, and under his wings you take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. 
Because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Verse 11, for he shall give angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, and it goes on and on. And there's so many more passages we could bring out. And at the end of the day, I want you to get this, that, that when they're little, they don't know how to pray, right? I mean, they're little. So as fathers, part of our role is in our spiritual time in our prayer closet is praying and pleading the blood of Jesus. And part of my prayer time was always, I always reminded the angels they better be on guard. Amen? Watch over them. Keep them safe. And I still do it now that they're 18 and 19 and 17 and, and 15. That, that protection mantle should be part of who you are in your DNA time of praying over your kids. Amen? Let no harm come near them. Keep disease away from them. As they're driving, let them be alert. Let, let the hand of God rest upon their lives. Amen? We're going to talk about the laying on of hands and the power of that as fathers. And I've, you've heard me say it. Back when I was home at time, for them to go to, to um, high school, I would lay hands on them, I would bless them, and I would speak the protection of God over their life. Anybody say amen? That's part of our role and part of our job. Don't get too lackadaisical with that. Because remember what I said. The devil doesn't ever rest. He doesn't ever stop scheming and strategizing how he can take your kids out in the next generation. So please, if the other pastor we talked about there was Timothy. Remember, we talked last week, and I know it's a little bit, you could, you could challenge me as far as the context of it, but at the end of Timothy, Paul says to him, guard what has been entrusted to you. Do you know that? So we has, have our family been entrusted to us? Amen. Is it part, we, we established this last week. It's part of our ministry. And so we're responsible to guard over that which God has given us. Amen. I can tell you that one of, one of my pet peeves, and, and for you parents that have younger kids, you do with it what you want. But I, I was always amazed, this blew my mind, of the amount of parents that would drop a kid off in our driveway for a sleepover. And they never would come in and meet us. And I'd be like, Chris, do you know them? I don't know them. Have you ever talked to them? Never talked to them. And they're giving their kid to us to spend the night? And remember I told you, we were very, very protective of that, of where they went to and how long they were there and for the most part, there was no sleepovers for a long time, and there was a lot of tears from Sophie Marie, all the tears, but everybody else is staying tonight, and they're having so much fun, and Dad, why can't I stay? Amen? I don't know if she remembers, it was outside of Olive Garden, she was there in fifth grade or sixth grade that I had a coming to Jesus meeting with her as to why I would not allow that. Do you remember that conversation? And I said, here's the deal, honey. I'm not picking up the pieces of some sibling or perverted father 
that's going to violate you. And me as your dad, I have the responsibility to protect. So you can cry all you want now, honey, but I'm not picking those pieces up. We had to make a choice, and maybe we went a little extreme in that area. But are you happy that we went that way? Hopefully she's just saying that to make me feel good. <laughs> we have a responsibility to protect. Does that make sense? All right, number seven. This is huge. Um, passionate. You've heard me talk about this, and I'll talk about this again, and I might cry, so just stay with me. Passionate. Men, fathers for God's presence. I told you before that one of my personal irritations are fathers that, that expect their wives and their kids to go to church and be passionate about God and serve God while they stand astute. Now listen, I know that everybody has different expressions of worship. So once again, I'm not telling you how to worship. And this isn't about physical, right, raising your hands or not raising your hands. But this is about dads being the leader in their house and fathers being the leader of pursuing and being passionate for God. You want them to be passionate for God? You want them to love the church? You want them to love God and to love worship music? Then let me ask you something. Do you love those things? If you go to Psalms 27 really quick, and I, I preach one of my favorite sermons out of this Psalms because it was astounding. I've, like probably a lot of you, I've studied David, and I love David. Um, and this, this comes from him. If you go to Psalms 27, at some point read the whole Psalms. It's, it's incredible. But verse 4 is huge. He says this. One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I don't know if you remember this, but I've, I think I preached it here before, and it was called One Thing. You want me to simplify our life and, and as leaders and examples? One thing really matters at the end of the day. And, that, and that's why... If you study David's life, and if you were to say, what was the holistic reason why he was successful? What was it? Now, we know we had some areas of weaknesses that, he, that we will talk about. But what was it that brought him from the shepherd boy of being nobody to being the godly king that he was? in dealing with family issues and all the stuff that he went through, what was it that caused him to be successful? It was this passage in a nutshell. For David, it was one thing that kept him. You've heard me say this before, but it's worth repeating. The difference between David and Saul was David never forgot what got him to where he was. Saul forgot. Saul made it about him an appearance. David never made it about appearance. David knew that his claim to fame was his intimacy with God. The one thing that brought him the favor of God in his life was his private worship to God. When nobody was around, nobody saw what he was doing, he was passionate towards Christ. 
And when he was the king of Israel and he was the man of the hour, he still knew that it was all about his worship to his God. Can anybody say amen? And doesn't it break your heart when you remember when Samson comes to, or not, or when, um, Samson? No. Samuel, thank you, I'm getting old. When Samuel comes and tells him that, that Saul has fallen, that he's going to pull the mantle from his life, and, and here he comes and he lays it out to him. And what is, I'm, when, when I'm reading, even as many times have I read that passage, I'm, I'm rallying for Saul and I'm thinking, do the right thing. Get on your face before God and repent so that he can restore you back to the king that he wants you to be. And what does he do? He grabs hold of his garment and he said, don't leave because the people will know that I've lost it. I care about the appearance of man, so please stay with me. Let's go through the religious motions so they think that I still have the favor of God. But he knew in his heart of heart that he lost it. Why didn't Saul just get on his face before God and repent? Because if I know my God, I think he would have given him another shot. That's just me. I don't know that doctrinally, but I think he would have. Do you ever thought about this? Can I tell you why I think Solomon made prob- or, or passed the hardest test that I think any man has ever passed? What if today God took you and said, ask me anything you want today and I'll give it to you? How many of you do you think would pass the test? Pretend like you've never read the story. How many of us would have passed that test? I don't know if I would have. Do you want to know why I think Solomon passed the test? Because of daddy. Solomon saw a dad that one thing mattered to him and one thing only. And that was the presence of God in his life. Not the notoriety, not the fame, not the applause. He knew who he was. And so when the test comes to Solomon, What do you want? And in brokenness, he says, give me wisdom how to lead your people. Because without you, I'm nothing. I learned that from my dad. My dad carried that intimacy anointing. He relied upon you, and I want that to be part of my DNA. And God said, you chose right. And because of that, you'll have riches and fame also. Have you ever thought about that before like that? God just revealed that to me recently. So fathers, I would encourage you to stay passionate pursuing God's presence. And can I tell you something? Kids know if it's fake. If there's one thing you know about kids, they know if it's real, if it's not real. They are smart. Amen. Good preaching. They are intelligent. And so we need to be passionate. Number eight. So, Ann, in about 10 minutes, okay, I'll even give you more time. Let's bring the kids up. I'll get through this. 
posterity, building and leaving a godly inheritance. Exodus is dealing with, you know, the commandments of of the blessing of fourth and fifth generation and, and curses. Same with Deuteronomy. If you read those passages, it's all about our choices and what will happen with the next generation. Proverbs 18.21 deals with life and death are in power of the tongue. Now, let me challenge you in this area. This may not be something that you regularly do, and I would challenge you, even if your kids are 45 years old, Amen. And by the way, don't give up, parents. Can anybody say amen? There are parents in here and grandparents in here that you did what you believed you're supposed to do, and your kids are still not where they're supposed to be. Don't beat yourself up. Don't condemn yourself. Don't just keep believing, amen, that that which you sowed in them, the years they were in church, the things that they heard, can I tell you something? It does not leave them. Can anybody say amen? amen? When I ran from God and I tried to hide from God, he always found me. I will never forget what a season of rebelling and sitting on a bar stool and witnessing about Jesus. What a stinking hypocrite. But can I tell you something? I knew enough when they would tell me their trouble that I didn't have the answers that only God had the answers, amen? So here I am getting drunk off my you-know-what, and I'm telling them that they need Jesus in their lives. You want to know why? Because I couldn't run from it. So don't give up, amen? But listen to me. In your prayer time, you should regularly be speaking, proclaiming, prophesying, decreeing, and decreeing God's purpose and will and plan and power over their life. Can anybody say amen? amen? It should be part of your prayer time. I pace the floor and I speak that God's will would be done in their life. I stir up the gifts that are within them, the call of God and the mandate upon their lives. I call it into fruition as their father. Now they have to take that mantle and they have to obey at some point. I cannot make them obey. They have free choice. But I can do my job of speaking life over them and breaking the power of the enemy that wants to destroy their lives. So at least part of my prayer time has been that of speaking. And I, when they were born, I started praying for their spouse. You may say that's weird. I don't know. That's what I did. I prayed for godly men to come their way. I prayed they would be the right person at the right time. I prayed for their career. I prayed for, right? I prayed for those things. I spoke it over their lives because I believe that I need to leave a godly inheritance to them. Not just money. It's not a bad thing, right? Don't leave your family poor. Don't leave your family poor. If I die right now, this afternoon, after this message, they will be taken care of. Amen? We need our family taken care of. So we need to, if you remember, and I know this is Old Testament principles, but I still believe that it's godly principles. 
Does she go with the kids? That's awesome. You remember through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, before they passed away, what would they do? You remember? What would they do? They'd call their children, right? And they'd reach out their hands and they'd lay hands on their head and they'd bless them and they would speak the word of the Lord over their life. There is something about the father laying hands on his children and blessing them. Can anybody say amen? It is a spiritual principle that should be a part of who you are and who, and who as a parent and as a leader. Listen to me, and I want you all to get this. This stuff is not just all father stuff. A lot of these principles that we've laid out over the last three weeks, of course, mothers, you protect. Of course, mothers, you speak over your children. A lot of these roles do this, do they not? But can I tell you that sometimes the reason why I'm beating up on the men a little bit more is because the men seemingly don't seem to be the spiritual leaders that they should be all the time. So we all need help, but I want to just tell you that women, I, hopefully you've been grabbing hold of these principles too. And like I told you last week, please, if you want your dads, if you want your husbands, if you want your future, your boyfriend, whatever to be, the way to get them to do that is not getting all up in their grill. Anybody say amen? Telling them how bad they are and how much they need change and how they don't, you know, I wish you were more like Jeff. Listen, just talk to Chris. You'll find out a lot of stuff that you're probably better at than I am. Amen? So don't do that stuff. But you, when you begin to see him taking steps, when you, and if he's real and honest with you, encourage him. Amen? Say, man, I'm so proud. I saw you reading your Bible the other day, and, and I'm so happy that it seems like bringing encouragement and behind-the-scenes prayer. Amen? That will do more than you could ever imagine for them. I do believe this. If you get a chance sometime, I don't want to read Malachi because I believe this is one of the signs that, that we're going to see. Malachi 4, 5 through 6 says this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. I believe one of the most significant things that we will see in the end times, and the end times could last hundreds of years, are going to be and going to see sons and daughters restored to their parents. Amen? I believe it with all my heart. What I want to do today is that the kids will be coming up. And I want to be very clear the way we do this because I don't, I want to make this a very serious time. So, Dads, I want you to do me a favor today. And maybe your kids aren't here, so you have to do this virtually. And you can grab the hand of your, your spouse, and you can come into agreement. You need to pray for your kids. Amen? You need to proclaim and declare and decree that God's hand is on their lives, that his will is going to be done. You need to speak a blessing over them. Amen? that God's going to bless them, that God's going to direct them, that God's going to reveal his purpose and his will. 
For those of you that have kids physically here, I would love for you to pray over them. Um, Grab their hand and just begin to speak a blessing over them. Amen. Maybe this is very common to you. Maybe it's not common. I don't know. But I'm just asking you, I really believe something significant is going to happen today. Of, Of fathers learning how to bless and to pray God's hand and purpose over their kids' lives. And I want you, I challenge you, I guess, to make this a part of your devotional life. Please don't let them go out the door without you praying and pleading the blood of God over their lives. Because once again, hear me, the devil doesn't fight fair. Do you hear me? He hates you. That will never change. But you know what else will never change? God loves you. Amen. He's a good, good father. He's a caring father. He's a forgiving father. He's a patient father. Here comes the kids. And so can we stand up? Um, AJ, could you just come? Oh, you're going to play, Dave? Thank you. How, two groups coming. Awesome. Will everybody stand up? Please, please do me a favor. Don't just wander around and pray for kids that are not your kids. Don't do that today. This is not the time and the place. Now, if you have some spiritual kids that you relate to here that you know well, then that's cool. But if you don't, just stay where you're at and virtually begin to pray for people that are around you or for your kids that are here. Father, we just pray that you would, first of all, just bring a spirit of blessing in this place. God, I am so, so happy with the way people have responded to these last three weeks. Even though there's been some tough words in this series, and and I'm sure many people have been convicted, including myself. At the end of the day, our heart is to see godly families, godly fathers and godly mothers raising up godly children to impact and to change this world for the cause of Christ. There's no greater responsibility in ministry, I believe, than to ministering to your family. Father, As I said before, at the end of the day, when all the dust is settled, the greatest thing that would ever happen to me would be that my family, my family would be thankful for my obedience to you and how it impacted their lives. So are all the kids in here, they're coming in. I want you to reach your hands over, and mothers should do this too. Reach your hands over to your kids. I'll come down to mine, including my adopted son for less. Just join hands so we can, Grandma, you can join hands too. Everybody, and like I said, if your kids aren't here, I want you to pretend like they are. Just envision them. Father, first of all, 
as fathers and leaders, we ask for your forgiveness for the areas that we have fallen short. And every single one of us have. We're frail. We're weak. We make dumb decisions sometimes. But God, I believe every man in this place loves you today and loves his family. So right now, as we lay hands on them, we speak the blessing of God over their lives. We speak the destiny of God to come to fruition. We break the hand of the enemy from trying to steal their destiny, their call, their mandate from heaven. And we declare and we decree they will become all that you want them to be. They will be successful in life. They will be prosperous. But most of all, we pray they will have a heart that is tender towards you. That they will love you all the days of their life. They will serve you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That they will never forget that if God is for them, who can be against them? That greater is he that is in them than the he that is in the world. Father, stir up the power of God inside of them. Let the anointing of God be stronger in their lives than on our lives. Our prayer is they'd be more successful, they'd be more anointed, they'd be more appointed by God than we ever could dream. So, Father, today we bless them. We speak your hand of protection over them. God, we pray that all that they say and do would bring you glory. And, Father, we pray this would be a part of our ritual every single day, that, God, we'd bless them and pray over them and lay hands upon them. And, God, we would see the fruit of that before our eyes. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for this series. God, I pray even for the the spiritual fathers and grandfathers that you're going to raise up out of this series. God, I pray that we would find people to instruct and to train and to pour into. And Father, I finally declare... Let's do this as a group, especially those that are believing. God, we declare that all the prodigal sons and daughters will come home. Come on. We join faith this morning. And we believe that every single one that once walked with you, that loved you, that knew you intimately, that we did the best we knew how to do. We raised them. We prayed for them. We brought them to the house of God. And for whatever reason now, they're wandering. We pray you'd bring them to their senses right now. And that you'd soften their heart to the gospel and to the love of Christ and bring them home. We come into agreement that you're able to do that, God. And we look forward to seeing them come in and not having enough room in the church because so many prodigals have come home. Can you say amen? Not having enough room in the church because so many sons and daughters are worshiping passionately and following after you. Father, we bless every single father today and future father. God, I pray that you would anoint them to be all that God has destined them to be. And we seal this series in your name we pray. And everybody said, God bless you.